For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm. Mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. I participate in McDonald's. why I said, acquit, acquit, acquit. Now I can't get that out of my head. Maxine Waters, I'm sorry. Your dreams did not come true. You, Congressman Adam Schiff, Gerald Nadler, Nancy Pelosi, they probably had a pity party last night. We had a celebration. A celebration. I wish I had celebration music right now. Adam, we need celebration music. All right. Yeah, this is kind of getting in the groove. This is the acquittal music, right? Let's go. Let's do it. Acquit. That's what happened. Why? Because guess what? No laws were broken. This was all political. That's it. It was all political. Let's just remember that. So while you're partying tonight, just, you know, try to be kind. Don't rub it in their faces. Don't let Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi... Maxine Waters, Gerald Nadler, and the rest of the gang know how you really feel about them. Just don't let them know. Oh, and by the way, Mitt Romney. Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. What is that? What a turncoat. I mean, look, I don't want to judge. He said he went on that, you know, Chris Wallace, and he talked about, you know, his religious uh, uh, beliefs and that... He felt that this was his duty. Okay, I am going to criticize. You know, he doesn't like Trump, period. So this was his way of doing He won't have any friends. I heard someone say the other day, you know, he won't be sitting at anyone's lunch table. Neither the Democrats nor the Republicans. He's just going to be sitting alone at the lunch table, you know, that horrible scene, you know, on Capitol Hill. He's going to come in. He's going to be walking with his briefcase all alone. Everyone's going to be looking at him, squinty-eyed, just staring him down. He's going to have to go over and get the mystery meat from the buffet and sit all by himself at the little lunch counter, just Mitt sitting there with his hands on his cheek, wondering Why the hell did I do that? Why did I do that? I don't know. It was just a moment. You know, this is why when you're angry at someone, you just got to take a step back. If you don't know what to do, don't do anything at all. That is just the best advice ever. If you don't know what you're going to do, don't do anything at all. 
But, you know, he made his decision. He said he wanted this to be his legacy. I say it will be a footnote in history books. This is not a legacy. The legacy that Mitt Romney, the senator from Utah, should have stood for was fighting against the abuse in our system that attempted to take out a duly elected president. And by the way, the FBI has now admitted to that because FBI Director Ray testified. He testified before Congress. He testified that now, finally, I mean, look, Ray should have said this a long time ago. But Ray admitted now that this was wrong, that taking out a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act warrant on Carter Page, on Carter Page, by manipulating the application with the secret court of our country, which, by the way, is so bizarre because no one is there to represent you when they want to spy on you, which is why they were spying on Carter Page. And they basically have always just approved almost every single case that has ever gone through there. That's another point of contention I have with it. But now that we know the truth, that they altered the documents, finally, FBI Director Ray says this should never happen again, and it won't happen again. Um, I hope you're right, Director Ray. I hope it doesn't happen again. So Congress needs to ensure that it will not happen again. This can't just be talk, okay? This can't just be talk. But let's go back. Why didn't Mitt Romney stand up for that? Why was he so focused on Trump? You know, and then, not only that, you know how President Trump is? I mean, come on. All of a sudden, when he did that, President Trump was like, whammo, right at him, right? There were commercials on his Twitter, you know, Mitt Romney in these crazy sunglasses, looking like he was some spy for the Democrats. It was hilarious. You know how, this is how President Trump thinks. He's a master, a master at marketing. And he just won't take anything from anybody. He knows, President Trump knows, that Mitt Romney went after him because, what, Mitt Romney still can't believe he lost the election, to Obama, and two, he just can't even understand why the American people voted for President Trump. Well, I'll tell you why, Senator Romney, because President Trump doesn't lie to the people. He is who he is. They're okay with that. They don't expect him to be a saint. And he connects with them, period. He just connects with them, you know, and... uh I, you know, you saw me rip up our impeachment documents here, here at uh, the Sarah Carter Show. By the way, please go on the app. Give us a five. Tell us how you feel about the show. It's so important. We love going through those. This is the Sarah Carter Show. You can go on any of your apps because we're all over the place. We're, I mean, I'm not a technology expert, but I know I'm everywhere. <laughs> See it on Apple and, you know, all the other platforms. Adam, you tell us. What you other platform? You get platform? the podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Spotify, uh, Apple Music. But just a clarification. Oh, it's not a I'm, five. It's not a, a high five that we're giving out. It's a five star that we want you to give us. Come oh, give us a five yeah. star review. Uh, not a high five. Well, you can give me a high five. If you see me on the street, just go ahead and give me a high five. I don't mind. I do it all the time. I'm just like high fiving people everywhere. Oh, wait. But with coronavirus, maybe we'll just do a fist bump because that's that's how you transmit it to through droplets, through touching. Um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Later, we're going to we're going to get very serious. We're going to be talking to Gordon Chang. Gordon Chang is the 
eminent expert, and I'll fill you in on everything China, everything political, economic that's happening in East Asia. Gordon Chang knows this, and he will be here, and we will be discussing We will be discussing the coronavirus and the implications of this virus on our country in both foreign policy perspective as well as economic and just as well as our health in general and what this means to us and how we deal with foreign countries. But before we get there and before I do my full introduction of Gordon Chang, which, by the way, you guys have to follow him on Twitter. This is so important. And I want Gordon G. Chang. It's at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. Please follow him if you want to stay up to date on the coronavirus and everything else that's happening in East Asia. He knows he is an expert. He knows what he's talking about, and he keeps us up to date. I follow him. I follow him all the time. I mean, I check out his Twitter because I know that I'm going to get the latest information from China, Hong Kong, South Korea, which I was fortunate enough to travel to this past year. Excellent, beautiful, beautiful country, Japan um, and South Korea. The people were so warm and hospitable and the food was excellent. Uh, But I want to clarify something that happened on our last episode. We need to do a clarification, and this is where I get very serious, because I expect everybody that works with me and for me to be just right like that, right right on the dollar. And, you know, it didn't happen last time. So Adam needs to make an apology, and um, we need to clarify what happened on our last episode. Adam, could you do that for us? Yeah, sometimes, you know, you, you here at the Sarah Carter Show, you want to bring all the facts and all the truth. And sometimes you just get wrapped up in your own thoughts, and you say something completely ridiculous like this. Two words, Cirque du Soleil. <laughs> I had to sit on that for three days. Yeah. You know the, uh, the backlash <laughs> that I got on Twitter and Instagram? Thank you, everyone. I realize now it is not Cirque du Soleil. It is now three words. I'll go shut up and sit in the he back. He forgot, duh. <laughs> Duh, you forgot duh. You forgot. I just don't even know. <laughs> Two words, Cirque du Soleil. I'm out of yeah. here. I'll see oh, you guys wait, You know what? At least we clarified that for everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're so great, Adam. I, You know, it was fine with me. Fine with me. Cirque du Soleil. I mean, were a lot of people from France like and Canada just writing you? Some people from Africa, they were like, what? what is this? Yeah, you're like ripping our get, language apart. I've never even given out my Twitter handle or anything, but uh, yeah, they found me. Yeah, you're ripping up the beautiful French language. Thank you. They found you. So thanks they for found you. Now, I'm, I'm going to go back to impeachment really quick. I think we have a clip, don't we, of Nancy Pelosi. Um, she's now, I mean, devastated, right? She can't believe she jumped on the Adam Schiff impeachment train, and it just derailed. It went off of a cliff. And listen to her. This is incredible. Sad moment. Really Especially the president of the United States about dignity. 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 Is it okay to start saying four more years in the right. House of Representatives? No, people, you're not allowed to vote. It's just unheard of. Is it unheard of for the president to insult people there who don't share his view as what? well as to misrepresent, present falsehoods? Mm. Some would use the word lie. I don't like oh. to use the word lie uh, about what he is saying. Oh, gosh, you can just hear it. She is just beside herself. They are like losing their minds. Why? Because they have allowed President Trump to live rent-free in their heads for all these years. And that's like a crazy feeling. That's got to be insane. 
That's got to be just like, instead of worrying about your health care, health care costs, you know, uh, job creation, uh, what the Democratic platform is going to be for the 2020 election, they have literally vested the last three years of their lives in Trump, in President Trump. It's like being in high school and having that clique that hates that one person and all they do is try to make that person's life miserable. What they don't realize is President Trump's been there, done that. He doesn't even care. He just keeps moving forward, which is why we're seeing such amazing change in this country. The lowest unemployment rates for African-Americans, for Hispanics, for women, for veterans, for disabled veterans. I can go on and on and on. Over 63% approval rating right now on the economy in the United States. Unheard of. 49% approval rating overall. I mean, this is huge. That was at actually at the same time as President Obama in his administration. President Trump actually scored higher than him on approval rating overall. So we know that even in the 63% approval rating that we have, and I know everybody's telling me, Sarah, come on, we got to get to the interview, but I just got to get to this. I got to get to this. There are Democrats and independents and so many people that are saying, yes, we approve of this. So let me give some advice to Nancy Pelosi, to uh, Chuck Schumer, to Adam Schiff, to Maxine Waters. Can we play Maxine Waters again one more time? Just just so I want everybody to hear this. I know I'm going to throw Adam off every second on this, but it's just, I want to hear her one more time. Just one more. Impeach 45. It did not happen. Impeach 45. Adam Schiff, it did not happen. Maxine Waters, it did not happen. Don't forget who he is. Out of the here. president. Out of here. He's the president, and he's going to be the president. And if they don't find a platform, and if they don't talk directly to the American people, by the way, just find a candidate, because this is crazy. There's just no one out there for them. Not right now. Not really. We don't see it. Find someone. Find a platform. Any advice I could give to you is stop focusing on President Trump. And start focusing on what you can do for your constituents and for the American people to make our lives better. That's it. It's a simple recipe. It's the reason why President Trump is so successful. He does not care. He makes fun of you. And you give him all of this ammunition to make fun of you. And then the American people have a good laugh. So This has been like the funnest presidency ever. And I'm so tired of reporters acting like, you know, they got to be so serious and, oh, the president and he's not living up to his office. No, guess what? Guess what? They're lying to you. This is the funnest presidency that anybody can ever cover. It's so great. It's filled with all kinds of narratives that any great author would love to have and most people wouldn't even believe. So, Let's go on because I have Gordon Chang with us today. He is incredible. Gordon Chang, he's not only an author and a columnist, an expert on China and Hong Kong, where he has spent almost two decades of his life traveling back and forth. He worked in Shanghai most recently as a counsel uh, to the American law firm Paul Weiss, and earlier in Hong Kong as a partner in the international law firm of Baker and McKinsey. He is an expert 
on Chinese policy. And he speaks to the layman. You know, I don't want these heavy hitters that are just going to talk in these semantics that we don't really understand. I want to hear someone just talk from the heart that takes me right into China, takes me right into policy so that I understand it. And that is Gordon Chang. And you will be stunned at what he is going to tell you about the Chinese government, their cover-up of the coronavirus, and how they are now blaming the United States government for the outbreak. Yeah, folks, they're blaming us for the outbreak. Incredible. Gordon, thanks so much for joining us today because, of course, I bring you on to understand China better, to understand the issues that are affecting East Asia in general. But I think the most important issue right now for a lot of our listeners and for people across the country is the coronavirus. And there is nobody better to talk about this than you. And the increase in infections across the globe, I think, is concerning for everyone. So thanks for being with me today, and uh, thanks for giving us your time to understand better what's happening in China. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. And China's becoming so much more consequential because of the coronavirus outbreak and other reasons. So I appreciate this opportunity. Let's talk a little bit about a video that I sent you. I received a video from a friend of mine who spends quite a bit of time in China, a good portion of the year. This video was released basically on WeChat. It's an attorney, a a Chinese attorney from Shandong uh, in the Wuhan area, and he basically was traveling to the various hospitals to see what the situation was like, and it was horrific. He decided to go underground, uh, do this 15-minute video that basically revealed the disorganization with the Chinese government, the failure of the Chinese government to actually test people that were coming into hospitals that actually showed symptoms of coronavirus. Uh, They were being held outside the hospitals or in the waiting rooms. Uh, There was an interesting part in the video just for our listeners to understand. uh, And I'm going to describe it. He's this attorney. He's sitting on the edge of a bed. He has a sheet wrapped around him. He looks very exhausted very distressed. He wants to get the information out to the world. Uh, He sends it out on WeChat, uh, reminds people in China not to share the video if they see it. He's afraid that if they share the video amongst themselves that the Chinese government will be able to track that, uh, but says that the video is expected to go global. And it did. It did. It ended up in my hands. Um, And you can see the exhaustion in the Chinese healthcare workers. You can see people just laying around on the streets, a children crying, screaming and crying for their for their mothers and fathers. And one thing that he brought up, Gordon, that was so fascinating to me was the fact that he said he had found out that 10,000 test kits had arrived in Wuhan, basically 10,000 test kits to, to check for coronavirus, and there were over 10 million people in the Wuhan province. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, the, the most important thing that he highlights is that uh, there's been a paralysis at the middle to lower levels of governance in China. You know, we are treated to these videos of the hospital in Wuhan being built in 10 days and all of the lights in the Wuhan buildings with these um, messages to cheer on the people. But the point is that at the middle to the lower levels, 
um, there is a paralysis. And there's a paralysis for a number of reasons. First of all, they are being overwhelmed by the sheer number of cases, but also because officials are reluctant to act. And they're reluctant to act because they know that if they make a mistake, they could very well be fired. There have been a lot of firings of officials recently as people higher up in Beijing seek scapegoats. And therefore, what this has done is created a divide between the central leaders and everybody else. And because of that, um, uh, people are going to needlessly suffer. Well, it appears that the Chinese government has also uh, been very hard on anyone who shares information coming out of that region. Uh, we've we've seen this. We've seen threats uh, to to incarcerate uh, anybody who's speaking about what's going on or trying to share the truth with the public. Describe for our listeners how the Chinese government tries to control media, particularly because, you know, it's a communist nation. It's, uh, But we still hear so much about how China's trying to open up to capitalism and, you know, we've got to work with the Chinese. But you and I both know, and especially you, you've traveled in that region. You spent most of your life uh, in the region. You and I both know that that's really not the case, that when something like this happens, the Chinese government goes into full effect and people are their their ability to communicate is basically mitigated to nothing. Um, the attorney in the video said that doctors cell phones were actually being taken away from them so that they could not communicate. Can you describe what's happening in China uh, as far as that as far as that is concerned and how that could potentially be so harmful to trying to mitigate this virus on a global scale? Yeah, this virus is a run-of-the-mill variety, but has become um, an epidemic in China, and it's infecting the rest of the world because the Communist Party suppressed information. The first patient showed symptoms December 1st and was diagnosed on the 8th, Um, but it was not until the 31st of December that that China made any public mention of this at all. And it wasn't until about the 24th, 1st, 22nd, 23rd of January that the Communist Party moved into action. During this period, from December 1 all the way to about January 23 or 24, uh, there was an attempt to suppress information, and that attempt was successful. And it was during that period that this epidemic, uh, that this virus spread widely. Right now, Sarah, there are so many draconian measures um, that we have been told about. But really, this is locking the barn door um, right after the horse has left because this is now spread across China and it's spreading everywhere else. So we've got to be concerned that it's the nature of the Chinese Communist Party that has caused this. One other thing, the Communist Party just formed a leading small group to lead the fight against the virus. It has nine members. Of those nine members, only one is a public health official, and the group is heavy on propaganda types. So that shows you that even today, the party is more concerned about controlling the narrative than it is about ending the disease. I I couldn't have said that better, because when you think about this, there are right now and I'm sure it's increased even since this morning. But right now, the official numbers that are coming out of Johns Hopkins, as well as the CDC and others who are monitoring this, are 28,344 confirmed cases globally with 565 deaths. Now, those deaths are relatively low, they believe. Those numbers aren't quite accurate. Do you believe the numbers that are coming out of China? 
Yeah, these numbers understate the severity of the epidemic. There's a number of reasons for that. First of all, there is um, falsification on the part of the Communist Party. Second of all, because local officials have been overwhelmed. We have seen those videos of corpses in the streets, um, of corpses being taken from apartment buildings, corpses lying on hospital floors for more than half a day. And the reason is that um, the government and health workers are just completely overwhelmed. They can't even deal with the dead. So um, keeping accurate statistics is a pretty low priority for them. You put those two reasons together um, and you end up with numbers that really do not tell us about the nature of this outbreak. It's far, far worse. Um, Sarah, one other thing. We know that um, a lot of bodies in Wuhan have been cremated on and essentially um, just dumped into mass graves and the rest, uh, sorry, just uh, cremated. And, and this is really an indication that, that health workers don't have the ability to test people. Um, so a lot of people who actually do have the coronavirus are not being labeled as patients um, because um, they don't have the ability to actually do the forensics on people and they're not having autopsies. I'm going to put the video on my website at sarahcarter.com, the video of the attorney, so that everybody can see this. And I know you don't speak Chinese out there, you know, are for our listeners, but it's actually translated. The video is actually translated, so you can read the bottom. And I suggest that everybody watch it because it's 15 minutes, but it tells a tale. And it has all of the heat. Actually, this lawyer had video taken at these different various hospitals, and he's able to show exactly, exactly what Gordon Chang is talking about right now. I want to ask you this, Gordon. Is the government of China going to see a backlash from its own people because of how they handled this? Uh, Adam brought up a really good point. Adam is a producer here. And as you were talking, he said, you know, is the government of China responsible for these deaths? Yes, well, it, it certainly is responsible for these deaths because um, this virus would never have spread like it has were it not for the secrecy of the Communist Party. So for more than um, a month, um, this virus was allowed to uh, go around China. Um, you know, when, when we look at this whole situation, um, the Chinese people right now are completely um, focused in on um, trying to save themselves. But when this disease passes, and this could be June or July, we're going to see the recriminations dominate the narrative in China. Already we had a... Um, a longtime critic, uh, Tsinghua University in Beijing, come out and call for Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, to step down. And I think that shows that people right now are bold. And they're bold because they know um, that so many people support them. And when people lose their fear, and that's exactly what's occurring right now, then um, governments can change. So we could, you can't rule anything off the table right now. Xi Jinping could maybe strengthen his rule, but he could also lose power because of this. And right now, things are very fluid in Beijing and elsewhere. Well, before I get back to Xi Jinping, I want to play a clip. Adam, could you roll the clip um, of Senator Tom Cotton at the hearing this past week talking about the coronavirus? This is really important. I would note that China, that Wuhan also has China's only biosafety level four super laboratory that works with the world's most deadly pathogens to include Yes, coronavirus. What do you think about that? Um, it's a possibility that this coronavirus escaped from the lab. Um, 
we don't really know the origin of this. Um, people, analysts were first saying that this started from a, uh, a wet market in Wuhan, and that's a real possibility as well. But on January 24th, The Lancet, with the medical journal, published an article which showed that most of the initial cases um, patients did not have any connection with that wet market. And so that raises the question, where did it come from? And I know that there are a number of papers which believe that there has been some splicing of the coronavirus, which would indicate that it was engineered. But, Sarah, we don't know. But one thing we do know, and that is the Chinese people, actually, many of them believe that this virus did escape from the lab. Other Chinese people are saying it was deliberately released from the lab. Now, these are wild rumors, but the point is not whether they're true or not. The point is that people in China believe that they are true, and that is forcing the Communist Party to come up with a narrative to counter that. And this is where the U.S. comes in, because part of Beijing's efforts to counter this narrative of the release of the virus from the P4 lab is that the United States is spreading germ weapons in China which is absolutely ludicrous. But this is what many people believe the Chinese government is doing behind the scenes, spreading this rumor to protect itself because it realizes it's vulnerable. Well, this is incredible because we've seen this. Uh, you and I, who have, I was fortunate enough to be able to go to Japan and speak in Japan at CPAC with you, and we were also in South Korea together. You spend a good portion of your life in those regions of the world. One of our good friends, uh, Andy Chan, who I had the pleasure of introducing in South Korea so he could speak before young people. He was a, a leader of the Hong Kong independence movement, and now officially he is being nominated as a candidate for the 2020 uh, Nobel Peace Prize, a, a huge achievement, a young man who stands up to the Chinese government. I mean, he literally puts his life on the line. And Gordon, you had a chance to go to Hong Kong uh, and you had a chance to meet with Andy Chan as well. What what's going through your mind here? This is how the Chinese government operates, right? We, we you just talked about how they're trying to save themselves by possibly we don't know for sure yet spreading this rumor that this virus was released by the U.S. Um, even though I mean all the facts, of course, point to it being something that happened uh, in China. But this is what they do. I mean, we've seen the Chinese uh, propaganda apparatus in Hong Kong. We've also seen them strong arm uh, the people of Hong Kong and try to strike fear into them. What do you think is going on here? And could you talk a little bit about Andy Chan and his fight for uh, the independence of Hong Kong from China? Andy Chan um, is indeed um, one of the leaders in the struggle in Hong Kong. He believes that Hong Kong should be independent, and um, um, the American Conservative Union um, members, when they went to Hong Kong, met with Andy um, and have um, you know talked to him. Andy is is important because um, he represents, I think, the logical conclusion of the demonstrations in Hong Kong, um, because people there realize that uh, China's encroaching on the autonomy there. It's trying to restrict freedom. And they will, they in Beijing will continue to do this unless Hong Kong is free and sovereign. Uh, not everybody in Hong Kong agrees with Andy, um, but I think that he represents um, the logical conclusion of all of the uh, demonstrations. As people say in Hong Kong, you know, we need to liberate Hong Kong, 
um, revolution of our times. Andy's in the forefront of that revolution. Well, and this is this is one of the things that I have been focused on for so long is this the spread of freedom and democracy across the world and how people in other parts of the world, we saw them holding up the American flag during the protests in Hong Kong. We saw them singing our national anthem, this respect that's flowing through the world, you know, being that beacon of light, that beacon of hope for others who are oppressed, living under oppressive governments or fearing that they'll lose all of their autonomy, all of their independence, and that China will kind to swallow them up whole, especially for the young people of Hong Kong. I want to go back to the dangers of this because I I don't think Americans really understand communist governments, and especially under the former Soviet Union, there was this concern even when the Soviet Union collapsed that its doctors, uh, people that were working in nuclear facilities or very high-level bio facilities uh, that were dealing with the you know viruses and things of that nature, that once it collapsed, right, that a lot of this stuff was being sold on the black market or would disappear, this fear that in governments where we don't have any access, like North Korea, like China, like the former Soviet Republic, that something like this, of this magnitude, a weapon of mass destruction, I mean, coronavirus, thankfully from what we know about it now, what we know about this virus now, um, that doesn't appear to be the case. But this fear that under these oppressive regimes, something like this can happen, uh, something can go sideways, and we'd never know it until it was too late. Absolutely. And and the coronavirus is a perfect example of this. You know, Sarah, you talk about the failure of the Soviet Union and all of the, the nuke and bio weapons experts who have dispersed around the world. You know, many people say that Iran is on the break uh, verge of a breakout of being having a, a nuclear weapon because of um, this expertise that uh, these, these Russian scientists. Um, some people say, and I don't think it's true, but some people say that Iran actually purchased a nuke weapon um, on the open market. And and clearly, um, there have been um, Russians in North Korea as part of their weapons program. So uh, th- these, are, these are not theoretical concerns. These are concerns that, uh, that uh, we know have occurred. Well, we've seen it. I mean, we saw the proliferation, uh, the nuclear proliferation from Pakistan. Uh, We've seen what happened in Syria when uh, the U.S. and the Israeli government targeted a facility when North Korea uh, proliferated. Basically, it was almost designed the same way. Uh, It looked like they were were building a nuclear facility in Syria. And uh, before that nuclear facility could even get off the ground, the United States and Israel targeted it. I covered that story years ago when I worked at the Washington Times. Uh, High-level senior officials talked about it once it was declassified. So we know this happens. What can the United States do today as far as its relation with China, its relationship with China, to maybe address this issue of the coronavirus, uh, build on at least trying to get some information? You know, China's been very, very sensitive and very tentative about letting anyone in. What can the U.S. do to try to maybe mend those fences so that we can at least get ahead of this virus? Because right now, this virus is ahead of us. Yeah. 
since early January, the Centers for Disease Control and, and Prevention have um, offered to send uh, technicians to China. And China has refused uh, American help until about two or three days ago. Um, so this is not so much on a U.S. issue, it's a China issue. Um, they just don't want Americans there. Um, and, and by the way, Sarah, um, up on Monday of this week, uh, the foreign ministry spokeswoman just w went out and blamed the U.S. for not offering any help, which is absolutely 100 percent wrong, because we've been trying to work with um, our Chinese counterparts to try to find out about the disease and therefore develop vaccines and stop it as quickly as possible. But Beijing believes that it just needs to tar the U.S., so we got to remember that it's the nature of the Chinese regime. We can offer all we want, but we won't be in a position to help because Beijing won't permit us. Is the Chinese government, util I mean, sending out the, the foreign ministry spokesperson and doing all of this just basically for their own benefit for the Chinese people? Because we know they control the media that goes flows into China. So if they can put out this propaganda, then maybe they can control the way their populace actually sees this outbreak. Absolutely. I mean, the Communist Party is scared and it needs an enemy. And so it's picked on the United States. And that's why at the end of last week and the beginning of this week, we saw a series of propaganda blasts, not only from the foreign ministry, but from the Global Times, which is a tabloid controlled by the Communist Party, um, which targets not only Americans, but Westerners. And it does so in some of the most ugly terms. So, for instance, the U.S. was accused of being immoral, quote unquote, um, and that uh, Western criticisms of China's response were, quote unquote, racist and the product of a quote-unquote, yellow peril mentality. So right now, um, it is the hostility of the Chinese regime, um, which allowed this virus to spread, which is also now doing its best to prevent others from helping China. So do you think the Chinese will actually accept our help and let us do what we need to do to help them find a cure for this? Eventually, um, I mean, as I mentioned the last couple of days, Beijing has agreed um, to allow CDC personnel into China. We'll see if it actually occurs. Um, but, you know, at this point, um, it's going to take much longer. Time is critical in fighting an epidemic, which is the reason why um, China's, uh, the Communist Party's response from December 1st to January 24th was just so important. I mean, it allowed the virus to get out. And so right now, China is going to spend months and months and months, as well as the world, um, finding patients, treating them, and uh, trying to end the outbreak. What do you think is the future of China, Gordon? You speak so much on this topic and how it affects us nationally. What do you see as the future of this Chinese government? Well, I think that we're going to over the next several months, um, Beijing is going to be completely focused on ending the epidemic. But after that, um, it is going to be 100% focused on um, determining the narrative because Chinese people will um, continue what we've seen over the last three or four days of criticizing Beijing. And I think that uh, the Communist Party is... Um, at a point where it's, it was already fragile to start out with, um, but it could very well lose power. Um, I'm not saying that will happen, Sarah. I'm saying it's a real possibility because 
whatever trust that had existed between the party and the people has now been completely eliminated, gone, um, because they've seen the way um, Xi Jinping, the Chinese ruler, and the party has dealt with this. And, of course, they don't like what they see because it's their lives on the line. Um, the other thing that um, people talk about, which we have yet to really figure out how it's going to work out, is the economy. Um, the Chinese economy was not growing at the 6.1% pace that they claimed for last year. Um, it was probably last year growing about the same as ours, and in the two range, two to three range, maybe, maybe even less. But right now, I think it's contracting. And I think that because we have started to, um, these underlying indicators have been released. So, for instance, a couple of days ago, Bloomberg announced that um, that China's oil demand declined 20% year on year. In other words, um, now they're using 20% less oil than they did a year ago. And huge that indicator. Is a, that's a huge indicator of uh, the demand. We also have saw on the last day that uh, China has... Um, suspended the Canton Trade Fair, which was scheduled for April. It occurs twice a year. And in the spring version, essentially what happens is that all the Chinese factories go in to uh, Guangzhou in southern China. They display their wares. You have foreign buyers there um, looking at the new Chinese products. That's now not going to occur. And we also know that many events and that's not just days. due to coronavirus, right? Gordon, sorry to cut you off right there, but I just want to make sure that's not just due to coronavirus, right? Well, it's it's, it's because the coronavirus um, has uh, persuaded people not to go to China. They decided it was not worth holding it. And similarly, we know that uh, people in the region are not holding events in China because of the coronavirus so this is epidemic related, and it's going to continue to shake the Chinese economy. Factories are closed, um, and they will stay clo closed for the Lunar New Year holiday. Um, they will stay closed for longer because um, they worry about workers running around the country spreading the disease. So this is not over yet, Sarah. And I don't know if the Chinese economy, which was um, we were already seeing defaults, I don't know if it could actually sustain um, three or four months of lockdown. How do you think, before I let you go, how do you think this is going to affect the U.S. economy and our maybe our foreign policy towards China? Because obviously there's going to be some significant changes, and maybe you already know what's going on. Uh, and lastly, what do you think the Trump administration should do or how the Trump administration should react to these evolving issues? I know they're fluid, but these evolving issues in China. Uh, first of all, um, the U.S. economy will be affected because we won't have uh, Chinese tourists. And that's going to be true for other countries as well. Um, also, um, American, American uh, retailers, uh, sellers of products are going to find that they may not have products to sell because a lot of the components are made in China and they only have maybe two or three weeks worth of supply. Hyundai, the, the South Korean car manufacturer, has closed all its South Korean plants for at least a week because they can't get parts from China. And that's probably going to be something that will happen as well. Apple, which is critically dependent on China for its products, um, may have problems going forward. They're going to have to shift production. American companies have put too much of their manufacturing supply chain in China. They haven't diversified enough. 
Now they're going to pay a price. The Trump administration is doing what it should do. It should offer to help China. Um, but, of course, um, the other thing that it's doing, which is absolutely essential, is putting people from China into quarantine as they arrive into the U.S. So the travel advisories from the State Department about not going to China are absolutely the right thing for the State Department to do. Um, I wish they would have done it a little bit earlier, but nonetheless, they have issued those advisories. That's a good thing. Yeah, I think that's a good thing as well. And I think it gives people a sense of solace to know. I mean, look, we nobody wants to be quarantined. Well, I mean, I could tell you this. When I was very young, uh, we were flying through Egypt and our entire airline, I mean, the whole flight was quarantined for four days because of, and I can't remember because obviously I was seven years old. I, I don't remember. I remember we were all vaccinated and we were actually quarantined at a hospital in Egypt. So when we landed in Cairo, it happens. Things happen. There are outbreaks. There's way to mitigate it. You got to do it. You got to follow the process. Uh, any advice for our listeners, uh, maybe before I let you go, anything that you'd like to leave our listeners with, Gordon? I know they got a lot from this. Well, the advice would be, first of all, um, just to take simple medical precautions of washing hands um, religiously. Um, that's uh, going to be really important. Um, also, don't go to uh, China. Um, and also be very concerned about going to places in East Asia because this virus is spreading throughout the region. And um, I guess um, the last word would be the power of prayer. Oh, couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much, Gordon. Thank you for being with us today. I really appreciate it. I know just hearing the common sense that, you, that you've that you discussed with me from, from the coronavirus to how China and U.S. foreign policy is handling this right now and our policy advisors are handling this is going to help everyone understand this better. Remember, it's a global world. We're all connected economically, socially, and uh, there's no way to avoid it. So we've just got to say a lot of prayers, like Gordon said, and uh, and hope that we can uh, stop the flow of this virus and hopefully find a vaccination for it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. Prayers. Prayers for those who have been infected and for the families that are suffering because this isn't just about numbers, people. I mean, we can look at it. We think of the news. We always think in numbers, right? How many soldiers died? How many people have been affected by an earthquake? But this is real people. These are people, uh, no matter if they're here in the United States or in China, in Wuhan province, there are children. You can see them on the Internet. On, You know, go to Twitter. Go on your phone. Look at some of the stories that are being, you know, I, I guess, uploaded from China behind the backs of the Chinese government, right? People are actually sacrificing their possible freedom to get us information so that we know what's going on. And some of them are heartbreaking. I, I saw a video just the other day of a child screaming and crying in front of a hospital as her mother was being dragged in, just standing there in the middle of the road. So this is about real people. This is about our lives and the safety of us and our own children and the safety of uh, travelers and people all over our planet. Uh, this is an invisible enemy. And of course, and we have to deal with China on top of it all. That is blaming us. So I don't want to keep uh, talking about this. We're going to be talking, you know, because there's so much going on. Uh, we talked about impeachment. It didn't happen. Knew it wouldn't happen. 
they did not have any facts. And we celebrated acquittal. And why did we celebrate? Because basically they weaponized the impeachment process, which they should have never done, which the founding fathers uh, warned about, to try to remove a duly elected president. And it did not happen. And thankfully, our Senate did not vote to impeach President Donald Trump. And so celebrating is important, and that's what we did, and it's okay to celebrate and feel good about that. Remember, folks, all of the top stories are on sarahcarter.com. You'll find my stories there. You'll find Jenny Terra's stories there. Logan Raddick is writing for us now. You'll find his stories there. I want you to remember to please also follow our great special guest today at Gordon G. Chang on Twitter. That's G-O-R-D-A-N-G-C-H-A-N-G. Gordon G. Chang. He is awesome and will keep you up to date. Remember, follow me on Twitter at Sarah Carter DC. Come to SarahCarter.com for the latest and breaking stories. Remember, we are taking the story back, folks. And I love you, America. I can't wait to see you again. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving.